Greetings, and welcome to our long-awaited Jim Lee tribute event inspired by, yes, the Jim Lee Tribute Edition magazine from 1996. Now, normally tributes are for people whose careers have ended or lives have ended, but at this point in time, it feels like Jim Lee was on top of the world and frankly, just getting started really for where his journey was going to take him. Uh, but it just feels like from Marvel to Image to DC, he truly has left his mark on the biggest publishers and most importantly the fans to this day with us tonight uh first up we have christopher from worldofwildstorm.com hey everybody i appreciate getting my feet wet with this podcast here this is the first one i've done and uh i have my copy of the magazine here too although it's it's not going to show up it's always hard yeah it's a ghost copy it's here (laughs) uh and then of course i'm returning a recent guest on the podcast we have andrew how you doing Hey, I'm great. Thanks for asking me back. I have my copy too. (laughs) Everybody's ready to roll. This is great. And we also have Matt. Matt, how's it going? Good. How are you? Hold up your copy. Oh, wait. It's okay. (laughs) No pressure. I I have it, but I wasn't, uh, I didn't have time to dig it out. I just found out about this event. So I have it somewhere. But we're, I, we're really quick. I do have the Jim Lee Millennium Edition, though, from Wizard. Oh, do you yeah. have this? Yes. Nice. We, we've been meaning to add that to the archives. We don't have that yet because uh, a little pricey. <laughs> and some matching artwork here with that. Cool. Mm. All right. Well, so here is the thing. Uh, as we get started here, I just want to mention, so Jim Lee was not 100% an overnight success story, although he did move pretty fast uh, into the spotlight. He feels like he definitely paid his dues. One thing I wanted to mention, so in the preface to this uh, Tribute Edition magazine, uh, you know, famed writer of Starman and many other things, James Robinson actually talks about his first introduction to Jim Lee was on Alpha Flight, uh, where he was doing pencils, he was doing interiors, and then just started doing covers for a while. Uh, And as Robinson explains, I thought this was interesting, quote, Matt Wagner has a theory that an artist has to work through about four issues worth of crap before he finds himself. Well, these issues certainly weren't crap. So either Jim had his purging bowel movement on, (laughs) oh man, on work even earlier than I'm aware of, or he came into the business far more assured than anyone has a right to. Uh, So, yeah, certainly I thought that was an interesting way to put it. Very colorful. (laughs) Uh, But also there's uh, the concept there that, yeah, Jim Lee, uh, if you, you know, hear, read interviews, you hear interviews with him, you know, you will tell you he was always drawing, just he loved to draw. So certainly he had the practice, he had put the hours in. Uh, But I want to ask you guys, just like James Robinson here was, you know, introducing us to how he found out about who Jim Lee was and what he was noticing. What was your first introduction to the art of Jim Lee? Chris, you want to kick us off there, Christopher? Yeah, so um, uh, like many people, um, I kind of got into comics around the late, late 80s, early 90s. And what had happened was there was a string of superhero movies that had come out. Uh, we got Batman in 1989, and then we got Dick Tracy, and then we had um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then in 1991, we had The Rocketeer. And I was kind of at that age where I realized, hey, these all have something in common. They're not, they're not just made for the screen. These were original properties that were, were, were um, put into comic form first. And so with that in mind, my friend and I went to the comic book store, like, let's see what's available. I didn't, I didn't know I was going to walk away with Jim Lee X-Men. Uh, but that's that's where I wound up, and it just it jumped off the shelf. There was nothing else like it at the time. 
and I was completely immersed in that world. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. That's so cool that it started with the movies and it moved you into the comic before we were talking before we got started. We wish that was the case with all yes. the people so, flooding into theaters for superhero movies. Yeah. And I think I think the limitations of where the where the um, special effects were at that time and the, the pacing and the storytelling was much different than we see today. So, you know, comic books really had an edge up where, you know, not everything was possible on the screen, but in comic books, you could do absolutely anything. That is and so that sure. was that was the drive for me to, to really get into that once I saw it. That's great. Matt, how about you? I don't remember exactly when I first heard of Jim Lee. Um, I got into comics right after the uh, image guys left Marvel. And um, I was the first two characters I was really into was Punisher and Spider-Man. But when I saw the X-Men animated series, I that really hooked me on X-Men. And then I started picking up X-Men stuff. And I guess at some point I must have picked up some some Jim Lee X-Men back issues. And I was hooked at that point. Um, he was definitely my favorite artist through through the 90s. Yes, yeah, so um, one guy started with the movies, one guy started with the cartoon. I, I like where yeah. this is going. Andrew, how about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I was always an X-Men kid, like as much as you could be in the, so I was born in 81. So as much as you could be, like around you know in the late 80s early 90s where like you, you know you don't know about going to comic book stores and stuff when you're a kid uh and then um i but i remember being like jim lee was the first artist that i could recognize and be like that's jim lee so like you know not jack kirby not john romita jr like not you know any of these other artists who have very distinct styles i was like jim lee that's the guy and i think it was because of x-men number one um and you know and and all the issues he'd done on uncanny before then it's just so iconic like his imagery is so it's just seared that cover to x-men number one is just seared in your brain um whether it doesn't matter which version of the cover it is because there's five panels to it but i mean like his colossus is my colossus you know his his cyclops is my cyclops so that so i and then i followed him over to image and you know i just waited with bated breath for everything Wildstorm. So that's, yeah, that, that, yeah. that's great. Yeah, I love it. So um, I, I'll say for me, it was definitely a situation where I was like uh, getting interested in comics. You know, I had bought my first comics, but I wasn't hardcore into the hobby. And then I remember there was a friend's brother uh, or I should say my friend who was like a brother to me. I just hung out with him all the time, but he had kind of kept his collecting habit a secret from me. I didn't know about it. So I walk in his room one day and he has a stack and it has like Todd McFarlane Hulk and all these different things in there. And then I saw this cover right here on Caddy X-Men 268. And I was just like, what is this? <laughs> like, what? Who? Who is drawing this stuff? And what are these stories in here? And and so uh, from that point on, I was just like, I'm gonna pay attention to Jim Lee. Okay. And then yeah, shortly thereafter, we got X Men number one and all those other things. But it was, a, it was a situation for me where I was just like, okay, this is this is somebody that you want to pay attention to. Like you say, striking didn't look like anybody else, even though as you kind of explore his influences, you say, oh, okay, I see a little Barry Windsor Smith. I see a little bit of this. I see a little bit of that. But um, now I'm curious, uh, there is a another anecdote that Robinson shares here that kind of leads into another discussion that I want to have, because he says, I have a friend whose brother attended college with Jim. So I love that. <laughs> it is kind of a, a secondhand telling. And he said, uh, 
what did he say? He once said that Jim had two loves then, poker and X-Men. He was always huh. reading them, and when not doing that, he was drawing them. I guess Jim had his eye on the prize all along, and then given the chance to run with it, gave it all he had. The rest is history. So there it is. Poker, X-Men, Jim Lee, the college years. Uh, but the juxtaposition of gambling and reading comics with Jim Lee is perfect to me because, like, from my point of view, when I think about Jim Lee, he feels like he's always had a poker face throughout his career, right? There's not a whole lot of controversy uh, attached to him. You know, when, I, when we're reading Wizard for the podcast, there are not outrageous quotes. You're like, can you believe Jim Lee said yeah. this? You know, like so many of the other image founders and top artists of the day. Uh, and so he says about this persona that has uh, graced him. Quote, I just consider myself a normal guy. That's just the way I was raised. There are people who say Jim Lee is a savvy guy. And I think they're saying that because there are so many unsavvy people in the industry. Personally, I don't have any interest in getting involved in long drawn out debates that break down into name calling and childish antics. So, I wonder who that was directed at. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> But th so again, he had this, a certain demeanor about him. He seemed to be playing it cool. Do you guys have a recollection of some of the earliest ways that you found out about Jim Lee, the person we saw the art, but then he became very, uh, you know, very public pretty quickly once he was popular. So was it on video? Was it articles in magazines? Was it like, do you remember seeing a photo of him? Like, is there a first impression of Jim Lee that you can recall? I'm sure it must have been through Wizard because that that's really the only place that I saw what comic book creators looked like. I don't, I don't remember there being any other place where I could even see that. Like they were just names on paper for a while when I first got into comics, but then I started getting into Wizard and then I finally really like, uh, I understood what a comic creator is. Like there are people making this stuff. I, I didn't really make that connection when I was like really little, but it must have been through Wizard. Yeah, yeah, Jim was definitely all over Wizard, right? I mean, he was yeah. he was tight with Garib. They were good buddies and uh, business buddies as well. Yeah, helping uh, one hand, you know, helping the other. But uh, how about for you, Chris? There's a great VHS series, that, and you've probably seen it on YouTube. I think it's called Comic Book Greats. Yeah, with Stan Lee, and um, there's a few different versions of that. But um, the one with Jim Lee is just fantastic, and you really get a feel that that this guy just he, he he's very humble about himself um even though he's one of the biggest names in comics and, and has been one of the biggest names in comics forever and just you know the way he conducts himself was was very um it kind of was kind of a gut punch to me because it, it wasn't what i expected i really thought you know he was going to be more of the way like you know todd or rob kind of act where they put on this persona of like hey i'm the i'm the guy in charge here and jim kind of is more action oriented and very humble when uh, being vocal about himself. So that was kind of uh, the juxtaposition of that I thought was very interesting when I first realized that. Yeah, that's a fascinating series of tapes. I love those. Yes. <laughs> How about you, Andrew? Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I don't know exactly the first time I saw him, but definitely that comic book greats video. I remember renting it from a library and being like, what? Like, is it like, I mean, you couldn't find that at like Blockbuster. Like that's the only place that those tapes existed was the library. And, and, but I knew who he was. I knew that he was somebody that like, I was into his, what he, his work before I rented it. Um, and that just kind of solidified it. 
Um, but I do think he is pretty shrewd, actually. Like when he was mentioning he's a poker player, I'm like, yeah, like he, like I think he is the kind of guy that like he's very humble, but I think he knows what he's doing, um, and he's very good at like playing the odds. Like I think uh, you know when you listen to Rob's podcast, uh, you know, he talks about like there, there was, you know, Wildstorm was maybe going to get bought by Marvel. And then he was smart enough to be like, Oh, Marvel's a sinking ship. Let's just take this party over to DC, you know? Um, And so like, I do think that there is, that he might not be comfortable with that, with the, the, the poker uh, tag, but I see it in what he does. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, what's interesting is, you know, we're mentioning these videos and I first saw him in a video, but it was a very different presentation because I recall these X-Men videos oh, that came yeah. with Pizza Hut uh, kids meals. And yeah. so like uh, Jim, you know, was featured there briefly. And I remember how cool he looked with his, you know, his Malcolm X hat. He was always wearing the Malcolm X hat. Always but, wearing the Malcolm oh, X. Yeah. I didn't make yeah. the connection until years later. I was like, oh, yeah. it's not because everybody was wearing Malcolm X hats at the time. It's because he worked on X-Men. I yeah. get it. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, so I always found him to just be so, uh, you know, yeah just reserved and laid back but at the same time just so cool right he always seemed to like he must have like a million jokes going on in his brain he only let out a couple of them you know that type yeah. of thing um well, he's got he's got nine kids so he's got you know dad jokes galore yeah. um and if you ever tune into his his twitch stream you get you get a bunch of them each time <laughs> um i also wanted to bring up this which i got recently from uh, one of our listeners yeah. this is this hero tv jim lee situation which is very fun because they interview him uh in his office and you can see in the background he's got all these action figures he has like he-man figures and all these different things i didn't expect to see in jim lee's office so um so here's the thing though like just getting into the issue briefly here so obviously on the cover right we have jim lee drawing fairchild burying grudge from gen 13 in the sand and then we have all of a sudden ben Grimm is here with his surfboard in the background and so uh i find it interesting that with a jim lee tribute you're mixing the universes right you got wildstorm characters with marvel character you'll recall with issue 10 of wizard when rob liefeld put shaft and cable on the cover together uh, that was a no-no and yeah. uh, marvel was not okay with that they said it could never be shown again so i just think it's kind of interesting that you know it depends on how the relationship is what a difference uh, four years makes you know oh yes <laughs> And also, like, Jim plays ball. Like, that's the other thing. Like, Rob is a rock star, and, like, he wants to, like, do what he wants to do. Sometimes it'll fall in line with publishers' agendas. But, like, Jim is a go-along-to-get-along kind of guy, you know? Yeah. You know, he knows how to get what he wants, not by throwing a fit. That's for right. sure. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up here is just, uh, we've shared this on social media before, but that cover was eventually used for a Brazilian edition oh. of Wizard Magazine. So it's just huh. like, we like that. We'll put it on there. Okay. So uh, now the other thing uh, that I just want to mention is the, the issue in addition to, it's got like, you know, articles, got an interview with Jim. We'll quote a little bit of that in a bit. Uh, you know, it's got some uh, like different features, like, okay, you know, he worked on X-Men. Here's a brief overview of that. You know, here's his Wildstorm universe. Here's his homage comics, creator own line, all those types of things it's introducing, as well as some wizard goofiness, which we will definitely discuss shortly. But I think what a lot of people were probably buying it for at the time were the posters, okay? So 
there are just a ton of posters in here and you know all, again all Ghibli artwork because if you weren't getting Ghibli artwork you'd be disappointed but I just thought like we have a the she grifter here what else do we have there's just a little bit of grifter and then that wildcats 13 cover yeah it is savage dragon cover he did for that month where the at the x month where they all traded titles and stuff like that so uh there's a lot of great stuff in there for somebody the ones that i know uh christopher still has his in the poly bag it's safe for his archives yes. <laughs> well the, i mean the issue came um i, I should have gotten a copy out but the issue came poly bagged with a wildstorm sampler and also a Wildstorm uh, CCG card, which is the only, which is why it's sealed in my collection. Here's the sampler. You have the card. Who's the uh, boss? I I have it somewhere, but I also have this thing too. The catalog. Oh, cool. oh yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love looking through that because the the prices. I would buy all that stuff in a heartbeat at those. Oh yeah, out. this is such a time capsule for like 1996. I mean. Yeah, it's just crazy. Like uh a little closer to your shirt, Christopher. Yeah, we'll probably the see plastic. There. Yeah, there, there we go. Is. Who's the boss? Yeah. Okay, so Spartan and Zealot, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so so there was a lot of things to get your attention, but most of all, I feel like it was just Jim Lee. That was that was the thing. People want to know more about the guy. How does he draw so well? What, what is the secret behind this guy? Which is there's no tutorials in there from Jim Lee. There's none of that. Uh, but uh, the the thing that I wanted to bring up is when they interview Jim, they do ask him. They say who is your favorite character to draw? And he starts out by declaring, surprisingly enough, it's not Grifter. I think Jed 13's free fall is the most fun to draw. She has the widest variety of poses available because of her personality and attitude. Mm. And so I just found that kind of fascinating that you know, free fall is not necessarily even a character that he designed. J. Scott Campbell kind of brought that design to him. And yet he finds it the most interesting character in his whole universe of characters. So kind of fascinating there. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys then, whether at Marvel image or, you know, the DC years, what is your favorite Jim Lee character design? So it could be an existing character that he drew, or it could be one that he created. I'm just, I'm curious to know when you think of just like either it's the quintessential design for you, like, oh, this is so Jim Lee, or I just love how he updated this type of thing. Wow. That's, that's a heavy ask. There's so He's many, right? Famous for this. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, I'll mention. I'm just gonna come my... out and say it. Christy Blaze is my favorite Jim Lee character. He's okay. my favorite character overall, uh, but my favorite Jim Lee character, which is why she's up here twice. And um, you know, she's got the 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 cigar, the you know, the '90s trope. Um, you know, she was just a she was a badass. And I have to say, I am not familiar with her. Which book is she from? Divine Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. So you know, a year after a year after the magazine, we're talking about you know, Jim comes hard, and and he could have done anything. And he went completely into into left field and pulled this out and um, mixed reviews. You know, it didn't end very strong, but it's it's still the concept is still one of my favorites of, of all time as far as, uh, you know, what they did at Wildstorm. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, because we haven't covered that in the timeline yet. So I'm sure I will catch up and find out all about it. But why don't you tell the folks uh, who are watching here and listening, how did you get this original piece of art by Jim Lee featuring that character? Uh, so um a few a few super bowls ago jim had a contest in his discord channel and he did some trivia questions i think he was driving to a party and was trying to kill time 
Um, and I got the answer to one of the questions right. And the prize was supposed to be a signed Superman statue, which is pretty cool. I'm not going to complain about that. A um, couple months go by. I don't really hear anything. I reach out to him on Discord. He's like, yeah, I got you. I got you. A few months later, same thing. 20 months later, I'm like, Jim, where's this statue? I, 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 I had seen him at Baltimore Comic Con by then, but it's, it, he wasn't going to travel with this thing. And he's like, you know what? He's like, it's too much to, it's too much hassle to, to pack up. I'm not going to see you in person. Uh, why don't I just do a sketch for you? Okay, I'll take a sketch. He's like, you like Christy Blaze? I'll do that. So he didn't, he, that's what I mean. Like, um, you know, Jim kind of knows who I am through the fandom. So he was, he didn't, he didn't ask me what I wanted. He's like, I'll just draw you Christy Blaze. I was like, yes, please. That's and awesome. So wow. you know, a month later that showed up at my door. <laughs> that's fantastic wow yeah love to hear it love to hear it hey, matt has has inspiration struck do you know who your favorite character design is yeah definitely wolverine um wolverine quickly became my favorite character once i got into x-men and definitely a uh, jim lee's uh jim lee's version of wolverine was like the, the iconic wolverine for me like um, you know, there, there's so many just like classic Wolverine images by him. So uh, definitely his Wolverine uh, was it for me. Yeah, very striking. You could just think of that X-Men number one pose, right? Just that ah, yeah, sideways definitely. profile look there. Uh, how about you, Andrew? Have we given you oh, enough time? I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you three and they're all <laughs> X-Men characters. Okay, because I think these are like like okay i think maverick is maybe a little overdone but i just love maverick's look so much it, but i also feel like jim lee's kind of the only one who can actually do him justice um so i would put maverick up there i would put um omega red i think omega red is a perfectly designed villain but i honestly think and this i don't even care about this character i honestly think his rogue is like the perfect encapsulation of rogue they still have not figured out a better look for rogue um, and I think that like, when you think of Rogue, you think of Jim Lee's Rogue, like that's, that's what she looks like. She, I mean, and it's not just the cartoon, like it's just carries over now so much. She's so perfect. Yeah, it, it sounds like we're heavy on the X-Men here. And I, I will say for me, even though definitely not my favorite character in comics, Scott Summers, not somebody I want to read about, but his Cyclops. Yeah. Like that is a character, like whenever I think of Jim Lee's name immediately, the wavy hair, because I always thought the Cyclops just looked skinny and kind of geeky with the hood and everything. He's supposed to be. He's called Slim. <laughs> and so for me, though, it's just like now he's all buff. He's got straps. He's just like, he looks so cool. And I don't know, like that one just like sticks out of my mind to the point where like we were recently uh on, on a recent episode uh we were discussing that uh wizard or toy biz i should say wizard was promoting it but toy biz was giving away prototypes of their you know like the, the mock-ups the, the larger size prototypes and uh one of them they were selling in the cheapest category was that cyclops and i was just like i can't believe it it's like one of the best figures they ever released and so yeah. such a now, testament uh, it's such a testament to the quality of, of Jim Lee's work, because you, you think when when X-Men number one came out, some of those characters were just shy of hitting their 30 year mark and to redesign those characters. And now we're, we're 30 years on the other side of it. And that's still the look we we associate with almost, you know, throughout across the board. Um, it's it's incredible to think that, you know, that he did that. 
and that's that's the that's the version that stuck yeah let me see if i have it here in front of me i do okay so one of the things though uh well actually i'll, I'll save this i'm gonna ask a question and then i'm, I'm gonna share this but so we talked about rob rob gets a lot of crap and it's kind of you know overdone now but you know over armored characters with small feet too many pouches crazy proportions that's what you go to rob liefeld that was the 90s blah 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 but jim lee also has a few quirks in his art specifically from the 90s uh and so i feel like that doesn't get called out as much we're just like oh he's the consummate artist he's perfect we don't want to criticize jim lee but if you could point out like a jim lee signature design choice that maybe you could do without what do you think it would be like if you could say he, he always puts this in or he always draws this this way and i don't i don't know why so while you're thinking I about one. that I, I, I got I, one actually i got, one. got it okay so on the cover you will see there is a thing that he does with the with uh, fairchild's hair and he and j scott campbell started doing this at the same time so i don't know who started it but whoever did start it the other one copied it but they started putting these lines in here to like ch like to show the flare of the the light hitting the 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 color of their hair and it's such a weird thing that like i specifically noticed it and i was like that's so weird no one else does it except for these two guys in this one studio <laughs> hey it's a a signature and so yeah noticeable this is the one that when we shared this online recently this wildcats x-men poster what everybody was going crazy about was scott's choker here so he has all the straps, yeah. and for some reason for this, he added an extra choker on him there. Ah. One more strap around the throat, and everybody was just kind of like, what is going on there? Now, it wasn't like a regular thing he did. You know, that was just like, that's why I think it stood out. But I think that is maybe people don't recognize how many straps his characters have on their wrists, on their boots, on their everything. And I, I think that is one thing where it does get excessive with some of the character designs occasionally. So I would just say like, Jim, let's tone down the straps. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the difference, uh, you know, between graphic art and cartoony art, you know, like you just don't have time or economy of line to do that in cartooning. But when you're doing graphic art, and I think that's what is so compelling about Jim is, He's not cartooning. He is doing graphic art. It gives you the allowance to put all those extra lines in there, but that's also can be very distracting from, it's like, you know, you're trying to read through the story. You just keep pouring over the same panel, picking out little details. It might be unnecessary, but they're, you know, they're there for eye candy. Yeah. Matt, did anything come to mind for you? Yeah, I was flipping through the Millennium Edition here. Um, when he was on Punisher War Journal, and I, I very much like the Punisher, but I thought he overdid his costume a little bit, kind of along those lines. I, I think there were a few too many pouches and, and things like that and straps. I think like the Punisher should be as, as a, uh, what's the word, uh, trimmed down as possible, like minimalistic. It was a, it was a little too much going on here. And, um, but one thing I just wanted to bring up, um, I was also looking at Gambit's costume and like, I'm amazed that that costume works because like you would think about it and it wouldn't. It's like, the costume is like, it's like maroon and blue with a trench, brown trench coat over it. Like you wouldn't think that would work, but somehow it does. Yeah, yeah, it is like a, a lot of strange components that go into game. Yeah. That is for sure. Up to like, you know, his little head, neck hood thing, whatever you call that, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things. I mean, he he likes to throw in a lot of elements and always 
very i mean he's heavily influenced by military stuff it just seems like very mm-hmm. militaristic and, and uniform design and things like that and gear and everything else but uh christopher anything for you you've obviously studied a lot of his art what stands have, out to you most i have studied a lot and it, this isn't something that i necessarily would say i i would want to do without or i would want less of but i notice i guess maybe it's because of speed or or just the ease of getting around the page um, or maybe it just lends to the cinematic look that he gives to his comics. But a lot of his shots are very straightforward when you look at characters. They're uh, not that necessarily the panels are, are pinup panels, um, but you really get a lot of those those straightforward shots as if you were w- watching it on a, on the screen. And um, so there's if you know if you look at guys like J. Scott Campbell when he starts when he starts really getting in his groove and doing things like. Um, danger girl or you look at brett booth and the way that he over dynamicizes if that's a word um his poses jim's pretty much kind of somewhere in the middle so um you don't get a lot of variation but what you get is incredible yeah for sure yeah i i could definitely see that to where like it's very posed and very deliberate and yeah not frenetic that's not his style at all yeah uh, now, obviously, you know, so we're talking a lot about Marvel, talking about the X-Men days, but his involvement in the founding of Image Comics was huge. I'm sure a major selling point for a lot of people. Yes, people wanted to follow McFarlane. Yes, they wanted to follow Liefeld. But Jim Lee, Jim Lee's leaving Marvel like he is Marvel at this time, basically. Uh, and so I think it's actually interesting, you know, because we're it's it's we're coming up you know or i should say we're in the 30th year but we're you know coming up to the end of it like they just released the you know the 30th anniversary thing the wild storm 30 book which is a lot of fun it's a great reunion i and i you know, i'm a big gen 13 fan and that little four pages is all we got but it's a hundred percent what you would expect like you're just like that's what it should have been so i thought that was great but um i'm curious for you what was because this might be hard for you, Christopher, but <laughs> what was your favorite Wildstorm comic from that image era? So pre-DC buyout, like just you know, Wildcats and moving forward. Was there a book that you were devoted to? Is there a book that you know caught your attention? And you're just like, wow, I love what they're doing. Whether it was Jim or not, you know, Jim obviously was involved on some level. Um, it, it's still gotta be divine right, you know, it, it kind of it kind of straddles between, you know, that it started at Image, DC buyout happens, and then it kind of finishes at, at DC um, as, a, as a, an imprint. And it, and it kind of feels rushed and stuff at the end. But when that book hit, it hit at a time when, you know, Heroes Reborn had been done and the dust had kind of settled from that. And then Wildstorm kind of went into this really big relaunch with their New Horizons line. And, and Jim kind of headlined, headlined that with Divine Right. And it was just the mix of like mythology and technology, you know, fused together. Just it blew my mind. Like I was I flipping through those pages and I felt like I was the main character of that story. Like I was I was the guy that was on AOL talking and, you know, my computer probably would blow up in my face and I could I could be a superhero. You know, so, you know, that really hit at a time. And then right after that, the cliffhanger launch you know, with, with uh, Battle Chasers and Danger Girl, just, that was like the one-two punch for me, where I was, I was always, I always had a foot in the door, foot in the door at Wildstorm, but when that happened, I was, I was all in, and I've been all in ever since. See, that's interesting, because I always thought Divine Right was just an event, like, I thought it was like an event, Uh and then there were crossovers, and a few tie-in issues, I didn't realize it had that long a legacy, so that's fantastic. Well, it really doesn't, because we only got 12 issues, plus two tie-in issues, 
and like a preview and a, and a, and a wizard one half. Okay. Um, but if you look at the interviews, when that stuff was launching, Jim's like, yeah, I'll be on the book for like the first 25 issues or so. And then I'll hand it off. And it was supposed to be this very long drawn out ongoing comic. And it, unfortunately it didn't turn out that way. But for me, the concept is strong enough that it overshadows what we actually got. And I can kind of see past that. I can fill in the gaps with my imagination. And, um, you know, if you put that, you put that concept in today with the way the technology has advanced and you think about all the different people that you can reach on the internet with the snap of a finger, I mean, that story just blows up. Uh, I think it would be incredible to see that come back. But um, yeah, that's definitely number one for me is Divine Right. Okay. Andrew, what was on your oh, mind? I, you know, I, I, I'm a Wildcats junkie. I love Wildcats. Uh, I, I've always loved Wildcats. I think that they're, they're so. I think every character is great. I know a lot of people think Warblade is just a ripoff Wolverine character. I don't. <laughs> I think Warblade's got character. I think Maul is awesome. I love Stormwatch, man. I think Stormwatch is great. I love the first twenty issues of Wetworks. But I'll tell you honestly, like my favorite books are those weird ones that no one cares about. I love Brass. I love Union. Like I love all these characters that like th th we'll probably never see again. But I love them so much because I feel like they're like a lot of them are created by people or or written and drawn by people who are like I want to be a part of this Wildstorm studio, and it's this studio is going to drive me to do my best. So when you look at Brass. Like there's nothing that looks like brass at all. Uh, you can we can argue that maybe the story's not incredible, but like those guys were pushing themselves super hard. When you look at anything Aaron Wiesenfeld did for for Wildstorm, there's no American comics looking like that. So like I don't know, man. Like it's hard for me to pick a favorite, but I think it's just I, I just love the studio because they just pushed every, everybody pushed so hard to make themselves better. Nice. Okay, Mass is incredible. Oh. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's if, fine. If, you, if everybody has the chance and you can find the oversized folio edition of Brass Number 1, it's one of the most gorgeous comics I've seen. Um, and it came out at a time when they weren't doing those big artist editions and things like that. It, I mean, it, this book is huge. And it's, it's so detailed on the inside. You just, you just get transported into that world immediately. Yeah. I highly recommend that book. Three issues are the first mini, and then I think there's six of the second mini. Yes. And they're both great. John Arcudi wrote the second book. It's fantastic. And Matt, what about you? Um, in general, like none of the, the Wildstorm titles really grabbed me that much. Um, I bought a trade paperback of the first four issues of Wildcats, and I'm, I'm sure I love the art, but I, I don't think the characters really grabbed me. Like I didn't continue past that. I would say the one exception would be Battle Chasers from Joe Mad. I got really into Battle Chasers. And um, I remember, you guys might remember too, it very like rarely came out. It was like once or twice a year or something. And I remember there was like a cliffhanger message board um, online. And every day after school, I would log on there and everybody would be talking about, well, battle chasers, a lot of it was battle chasers. And a lot of the topic of discussion was like, when is battle chasers coming out? When's the next <laughs> issue came out? But one thing was though, because it came out so, um, so rarely, like every time it came out, it was kind of an event, like, and it was, it was a return like, to the original image release schedule. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. 
Uh, now, I obviously, it's it really has to be obvious to anybody who's listened to the podcast ever uh, that Gen Thirteen is my number one book. Like, I that was the only like Wildstorm book that I bought consistently. Like, I might you know I bought DV8 for a little bit just because it was a spinoff from Gen Thirteen, and I'd buy things here and there. Like, even recently. I picked up like a big stack of Stormwatch, like just like the first 25 issues or something like that. And I was reading through it and I'm like, it's just, it's a little too sterile for me. It's a little too, again, military team, like GI Joe with superpowers is kind of how it felt to me. And so I was kind of like, I don't know. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't connect for me, but like the fun and wackiness of Gen 13 for all its fault for like plot and story. Like there's nothing there in the mythology that really matters, but every issue you were going to get a laugh. You were just going to have some fun with these characters being ridiculous in the moment, you know? And so uh, like, I, I, I do have to say too, like, cause we haven't, you know, this is a Jim Lee tribute, but you know, his collaboration obviously with Brandon Choi, you know, childhood friend, and like, I love Brandon's writing, like the, the books that he was involved in do stand out to me to say like, okay, you know, he, he was a solid storyteller and he was able to, to translate a lot of these ideas that they put together in a way that worked. So um, I did want to ask one more question for you, Andrew, though, because in mm-hmm. the Wildstorm 30, uh, you know, the 30th anniversary special, yeah. The thing that stood out to me is the the Wildcat story basically points out the fact that we were all over the place with this book. Like every yeah. era, every creative team took it in a to- like a totally new direction. So, do you have a preference for a specific Ooh. creative team for Wildcats? Wow. I mean, if I oh, I will say that I think pound for pound, I think Wildcats 6, 7 and 8 are probably the best individual issues art wise of that well let's say five through eight that whole killer instinct thing i think are probably the best art pound for pound especially jim lee but man as a run i don't know i think james robinson and travis Charest really like really did some impressive work on like i think they start on 15 through like 20 ish and then alan moore takes over and i would say alan moore but i feel like the art is really lopsided on that because charade just couldn't come couldn't stick to the schedule but i think when they do have him drawn those are some of the best issues of the book but i will say honestly i'm really like the weird run around issue like 40 that's jonathan peterson and matt brahm because i think matt brahm really gets those characters and he's kind of an underrated artist i wouldn't say it's my favorite but i would say it's much better than people remember it to be Okay, that's cool. All right. Yeah, like I say, because whenever I'm in the back issue bids and I'm like, there's a long run of Wildcats, I'm just like, wow, I just I can't believe how many people worked on this book and really just yeah. gave it their own stamp. So uh, now, Christopher, I want to ask you a question, because obviously I, I invited you on here specifically because you are, you know, a super fan of the Wildstorm universe. And I'm just curious for you, like, what was it? you know, about Wildstorm, you know, as, you know, just a, a, a collection of characters and stories and concepts and merchandise and everything else that made you want to put together a website and then like archive, you know, all the published output, the, you know, the different things that were part of the imprint. Like, what is it, would you say, is like the, the thing that excites you most about it? Um, there, there's a couple, there's a couple reasons why I chose Wildstorm as my hobby. For, first of all, Wildstorm is kind of, for me, it's like, it's an energy, you know, it's not just, it's not just a group of characters. It's not just stories. It's not just the creators. It's not the studio. It's kind of this big jumble of all this stuff where they always wanted to be doing the next thing before everybody else. And that's, that's really what it 
felt like. And, and even today, you know, you know, the 30th anniversary book, you know, the new relaunch of Wildcats, um, we're getting Waller versus Wildstorm, um, which um, is a black label book. It got delayed, so I don't think it's coming out now until February, but it feels like there's just an, an energy about that for me when I see that stuff um, in a way that other stuff, not that it doesn't do that, it's just somehow Wildstorm was able to, to grab a hold of me at a, at, a at a time when I was ready to be grabbed by something. Um, fast forward to now, you know, I'm a stay-at-home dad. Um, I have four kids. And so I have, my, my time is limited. My, my money is severely limited. And so I wanted to do one thing and I wanted to do it as well as I possibly could. So I went down the list. I made a pros and cons list because that's the kind of guy I am. And I thought, okay, you know, what, what are all these things that excite me? What can I manage and what is off the table? And as I started crossing off the list, the one thing that, that, that constantly was there was Wildstorm. And I was like, this is, this is the thing I'm going to get into. And so for the past five years, my only hobby really has been just putting together the best Wildstorm collection I can and reminding everybody out there that, that this stuff is awesome, that, that they really did something for everybody and once you kind of grab onto one thing, it's like chain lightning, like, you know, you find the next thing and then the next thing, and then you realize, wow, they, they did everything and everybody's worked for Wildstorm. So that's really yeah. how I got into it. Okay. Well, that's still great. After all this time. Yeah. Like that, that's, uh, I have to ask though, right now, because, you know, we have a public forum here, people that are going to check in. Oh, we always like to help each other, right? Comic book fans. So is there like a whether or not a holy grail item necessarily, but a specific something that you are trying to track down, you know it exists, you just haven't found it yet that you want to put the <laughs> the word out right now. People get there it. Are, there are a few things on my list. I hesitate to tell anybody what they are. Ah, that's <laughs> because a good point. Don't want to create the people out there that are going to be looking for the same thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I collect, I collect uncut sheets of cards. I collect... Um, the snowboards, I have two Jim Lee snowboards that I don't know if I can get to them right now. They're kind of tucked away. Um, they're both death blow. Um, you know, I have, I have hats, I have a lunchbox. Um, you know, I have, I have graded comics. I have the original art. I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, um, which is good because I, I never feel like I'm in, I, I'm just doing one thing or I'm only trying to track one last thing down. I can, I can kind of jump around and, and, and uh, kind of curate my collection that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm looking for, you know, all that kind of stuff. Specifically though, I think I'm going to I'm going to hold off on 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 that <laughs> just in case. That's fair. That's fair. Geeks, it's time to take a break to tell you about our sponsor for this episode, Manscaped. Yes, Manscaped offering the best in men's below the waist grooming with their precision engineer tools for your family jewels. Psst, that means your balls. <laughs> you know, it's 2023, and that means it's time for you to reboot your personal hygiene routine by using this exclusive offer from Manscaped just for our listeners of the Wizards Podcast Guide to Comics. You'll get 20% off and free international shipping. That means you in Canada also. <laughs> um, by using this promo code WIZARDS20 at checkout. When you're shopping for great Manscaped products, like the Performance Package 4.0. Yes, like you said, Michael, it's a new year that'll be full of new experiences as you take your grooming game to the next level with Manscaped's innovative tools like the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, 
So, Michael, I gifted my dad the Weed Whacker for Christmas, and he is now singing its praises, okay? He had a run-of-the-mill nose hair trimmer he said he liked, you know, he'd been using it for years. But now, because of the Weed Whacker and the fact that it's waterproof, it features Manscaped's proprietary skin-safe technology. He's enjoying the comfort of reduced uh, nicks and snags and tugs, and when he's cleaning up, you know, the old schnoz there. You're welcome, man. <laughs> but Michael, how has Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 been improving your lifestyle? So in addition to using the Weed Whacker, which I used this morning, funny enough, uh, as you just mentioned, which I love and it's fantastic. I've used several different nose hair things. and They always nick and pull and it's, just a, it's a pain. Um, I'm continuing to use the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer on my head, which really it's unbelievable. It works fantastic. Keeps my head super smooth thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology. Plus, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Toner are a nice way to stay fresh during my daily activities. And you know what? Having that shed travel bag to hold everything is fantastic. I have a nice, easy place to put all my stuff so my wife's not complaining that it's all over the counter and everything else in our bathroom. So... Adam, what about you? How has Manscaped been helping your life? Well, see, my family gifted me tons of Manscaped products for Christmas. Like, I got the ultra-premium body wash, okay, which is infused with aloe vera and sea salt. Keeps my skin fresh and moisturized. Plus, it actually smells great. Uh, it's got this woodsy scent. It's bergamot and lavender. And I have no idea what bergamot is, but it's working for me. But it's okay? delightful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also digging, uh, they have the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, which has coconut water, green tea, aloe, turmeric, and sage. And it's turmeric. Oh, you. turmeric. See, again, turmeric. I don't know these things. I'm, I'm not fancy enough to be using you, you, you gotta be a hipster from Brooklyn like me. You gotta know. <laughs> but, it, but the cool thing about that mixture is it's naturally hydrating. And that's the thing I noticed is just my, my skin actually feels good after I use it. It's not all dried out and gross. Uh, plus their ultra premium deodorant is great too, because it's all clear. It's aluminum free and it doesn't leave like marks or odors on your clothes. And most of all, I would say it doesn't enhance the stink. I don't know if you've had that experience, Michael, of deodorants that actually make you smell worse throughout the day. Have you ever had that? I'm just like, yeah, what they, they say happen? they're like, oh, it's 48 hour protection. But by hour four, it's like radiating yeah. odor. I'm like, and then, yeah, then I go for an antiperspirant instead. And then I just sweat all over. So like, this is like the perfect middle ground. Okay. <laughs> you saying the word antiperspirant really makes me laugh. <laughs> I love that your family gifted you stuff using our promo code. That's hilarious. <laughs> I said, now's the time, guys. Get a great deal for your Christmas shopping. <laughs> Absolutely. One of my very close friends, I gifted him the lawnmower 4.0 for Christmas. And I reached out to his wife first. And I said, is it okay if I get this for your husband? And she goes, please do. No <laughs> one needs it more. So I gave it to him for Christmas. And... He's called me up and he's like, dude, this thing is incredible. And my wife is thrilled that she's not looking at a mountain of mess down there. And, I, and my his wife even thanked me too. It's just kind of weird, but it's cool. I like it. So it's time to up your grooming game in 2023. Like 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to take care of their balls with the Performance Package 4.0 that includes the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, 
plus two free gifts, the performance boxer briefs, which I use all the time and I wear them great. They're very, very comfortable. And the shed travel bag to hold your gear. Best of all, you get 20% off your order and free international shipping. Manscaped, the best for men's grooming. Now back to the show. So now let's let's get back to Jim's uh, you know career here. So obviously, as he becomes more of an executive, you know, with his own imprint with Wildstorm, kind of less and less frequent the Jim Lee art, right? Until he's like inspired, excited about a certain project, then he kind of jumps into it. And then, of course, the big sale to DC Comics kind of caught everybody by surprise. We're like, this is happening. Whoa, I can't believe it. Bye bye, Jim. Uh, and so he heads over there. And obviously, like a few years later, we get kind of this, it feels like the instant classic that is Hush, this Jim Lee drawing Batman. And everybody's like, oh, I can't believe it. This is amazing. Uh, and then again, it seems like slower and slower is the is the Jim Lee release art uh, that we all desperately want. But that's not, you know, where he's at now. He's a major executive for DC now. So the question I have is this, like a lot of the Wildstorm universe like there are bits and pieces that are, that come back, right? That they kind of cycle in and out and, and are reappearing. But for you guys, is there a character or a title that you wish DC would bring back? I mean, Christopher, I think we know your answer. But, <laughs> but, but just like in your mind, is there something you feel like has been kind of put aside that could come back just if there was the right creative team, but you just feel like this is a concept people need to, to bring it back again, whether it's a Jim Lee creation or just Wildstorm in general, you'd love to see maybe the, you know, these people in the, the 30th uh, anniversary special showed, Hey, it could happen. I mean, I feel like they keep trying. Um, and I've like Christopher and I are in a Facebook group that is just full of people. Just, I don't want them in, I don't want these characters in the DCU. I don't want them. And I personally agree with that. I don't. I don't think that it makes sense if you think about what the D, the Wildstorm universe was grounded in this weird paranoia and stuff. I don't think it makes sense next to Superman. Um, it's like I don't mind it, but what I, I I think the characters are are better served in their own pocket universe. Having said that, they keep trying to bring back Stormwatch. I think that there is a really cool way you could do Stormwatch um, with the original characters. The one book that I think never really got the love it deserved was Union. I think there's a lot you could do with that because it's sort of like Jim's take on sort of on Green Lantern kind of, um, but it's got its own sort of space opera kind of thing going on there that they just never really got back to. Um, and I, you know, and I should have said when we were talking about character designs, I think the Union character is one of Jim's absolute best designs. I think it's it's pretty much flawless. So, like, if they could find a way to bring that character back and do something great with him, I think that would be awesome. So, was Mark Sixera just the artist on that? Then? Yeah. Wasn't oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I thought I thought that was like like a creator own thing for him. I didn't realize. No, that. no, no. That was Jim. That Jim. Uh, and yeah, and, and I think. Jim, Jim, I don't know if he was ever going to draw it, but he definitely designed it and created that character. Okay. Yeah. Matt, did you have anybody that came to mind when we brought that up? Or just, I, I'm going to expand it to say also on this side, who is a character you wish Jim Lee would draw that he has not yet? Like if you saw Jim Lee's version of this character in a, you know, in an arc, who would you want him to draw? So we can come back around on that, but. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go with, uh, in reference to the first question, I, I can't really think of much. I, I honestly like 
I was disappointed when he became like DC exclusive because I was like, oh, he's never going to do X-Men again. Like, honestly, I just I want to see him do X-Men again. Like, I was never really into DC, so his DC stuff didn't really interest me that much. And the Wildstorm characters didn't interest me that much. So, I mean, really, I, I like him because of his Marvel stuff. And and uh, I, I wish at some point before he retires, just once, he could do some X-Men related thing. I don't know if it's going to be possible, but that that's what I would really like to see. I don't know if Disney buys DC and it just becomes yeah. Disney comics. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Rob uh, Liefeld seems to think that Jim Lee's going to be out of DC within the next year. So we'll see. I will yeah. say if he does leave DC, I, I think Matt, you're going to be very happy with what happens. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but if he does, I, I think everyone in, involved in comics would be fools to not move heaven and earth to get him drawing x-men again yeah yeah they need some help <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh on the second question christopher did you have anybody that like again a character because i see you have, you have a joker in the background obviously he's drawn batman he's done that universe but is there somebody else um you know what i'm gonna give a different answer here i think okay i want to see jim come out and do something new again just completely from scratch just i know he's got stuff in the tank that you know that creative mind doesn't go away when you're an executive i bet i bet he has a concept and he has an idea and it's just a matter of where is he going to get the most mileage out of it i don't think he wants to give it to dc um you know i think he's very happy with what he does at dc um but if 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 that dynamic were to change and he were to he were to have a chance to do something else I think we would see one last creator owned project from him. Um, and I, and it could be anything. I just, I, I love, I love his mind. I love the way he kind of thinks and breaks stuff down the way he designs things, his storytelling ability. Um, so I just want to see something completely brand new and fresh, just like one last hurrah before he rides out into the sunset. I know what I want him to do. I want him to, I want them to redo Deathmate. I want oh. them to redo Deathmate. <laughs> With the new the new Valiant universe and whatever characters that are down for image, I want him to redo Deathmate. I I I think Deathmate Black is a great book. That would be cool. I, but that's that's what I want. Yeah, Matt. If, if, if we're given that type of answer, oh. I want to see Jim Lee's TMNT come there back. There you go. Little, yeah, yeah. Too many series. Yeah, actually, that reminded me of something he did for Wildstorm. I totally forgot about it. That was I thought was really cool. Was the Death Blow issues he did. Of course, um, yeah. that, that those were great. I totally forgot about those. If he did TMNT in that style, get out of town. Get <laughs> out of town. Game over. So, and, 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 you know, as far as you know, a Wildstorm characters that I, I wish they could you know resurrect and do right, it would be Gen Thirteen. But they've tried so many times, and I just think it's so of the moment that yeah. like to try to bring it back, you have to do what they did as basically a joke in that 30th anniversary special, which is if Gen 13 had just been launched right now, what would those characters be doing, right? Like who who would they be in our modern 21st century world? And I thought it was like fantastic, but yeah, just you have to capture the zeitgeist. I don't know if that would work, but who I want to see Jim Lee draw is, you know, my, one of my favorite books of the 90s was Spider-Man 2099. Oh, yeah. Berkeley cool. and Artie's great, but imagine what Jim Lee would have done. Just all the tech in that world and everything. Yeah. Just 
be amazing. You know what? Oh, that just made me think. I think he'd be really, he could do some really cool stuff with either aliens or Predator as well. Mm, yeah. I think he'd be <laughs> yeah. really, really cool with that, with the military tech and, and, and the weird sci-fi elements of it. But he, I think one, one of the things that's really cool about Jim is he does a really great job of taking fantastic elements or futuristic elements and grounding them in reality. Mm-hmm. I think Will Sportasio is also really, really good at that. I think that's probably one of the things that their their studio was when they were working together really bonded over. And I would love to see him draw, not necessarily Arnold Schwarzenegger, but like fight somebody fighting the predator in the jungle. I think Jim would crush that. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, now we're going to get into this next bit uh, that I, I teased at the beginning with a uh, wizard has to be wizard, okay? Because a lot of the stuff here in this special, they actually just took from previous issues of wizard. And they're like, here's their article we wrote about it. Here's this and this, and they kind of dropped it in. And then, but they, you know, they have original stuff too. But when they get original, they get really original, okay? So I'm going to share this with you right here. So what we have here is all in the family oh geez (laughs) so what wizard has decided to do right is uh they are bringing all the famous lees of uh of pop culture and they they want to say everybody's a lee if you're a lee you're you're definitely connected and uh so my question to you guys is if not jim lee which of these lees would be your favorite Oh man, I gotta go Spike Lee, I think. <laughs> Connected back to that Malcolm X hat. Yeah, the Malcolm X hat. I mean, well, I'll, I'll say at least like when I was a kid, Jim Lee, Stan Lee, and Bruce Lee were like the trifecta of people I loved. Like I loved all three of those dudes. So I, I'm gonna go with uh, all three of them. Okay, as one super Lee. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll go with Christopher Lee. I feel like he's done he's done so much in in the in that in the time that he had and um you know his his footprint in in cinema is still being felt with the roles that he did and the, and the things that he defined in those roles yeah, for sure chris really wow I, I mean for me just thinking of uh, as a kid just pure nostalgia factor it's got to be the general lee I mean, because I, I'm not a huge fan of the stars and bars on top of it, but for me, like just the whole concept of what the Dukes were about, like they were just the heroes to me as a kid and every orange matchbox car or hot wheel that I got just became the general Lee. Like it just, and uh, how many times have I wanted, I can't believe in my life, I haven't done it yet. Just to roll down the windows and slide in, you know, through, <laughs> through the window there to the driver's seat. So all right. Well, you guys can tell us on social media, those of you who are watching and on YouTube, on the comments below. Uh, as we close out here, uh, the question that I just have for you is, as you think back on Jim Lee and what you have interacted with for his output and his art, is there anything we have not discussed that you feel needs to be brought up? Is there something that you're just like, you know, this is the essence of Jim Lee for me or his impact on the industry or anything of that nature? just want to open the floor to you guys. Well, I I have a a sort of like, I I think underrated Jim Lee thing that came out um, like in the mid 90s at some point, there was a Wildcats and X-Men crossover miniseries. And um, he drew one of the, one of the installments. Here's the cover. It's um, Wildcats, X-Men, the Silver Age. And he, it's Grifter, uh, Jean Grey, Nick Fury, The Brood. It took place, I guess, in the 60s. And it was a it was a really cool issue. He drew the whole thing. 
Um, and uh, actually, the whole the whole mini series was good, but um, this this is something that's definitely worth tracking down. And I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. So, yeah, it's true. There were a lot of crossovers at this time with Jim Lee characters, but he wasn't always you know drawing them. So it was kind of like he he usually a lot of times right like Jim Lee drawing this thing. Okay, he's drawing a few pages, and everybody else is filling in. Right? It was kind of yeah how that would or work. the cover or something. Yeah. All right, Andrew. Um, I, you know, this is a slightly cynical take, and I don't really like cynicism in general. But I will say, I, I do think Jim Lee is a, is a world class artist, one of the best of the '90s. But I honestly think his true talent is nothing to do with what he's doing on, on the artboard. I do think it's his. I don't want to say gamesmanship, but his understanding of the industry and how to do what he wants and get what he wants out of the industry and climb in the ranks of the industry. I think honestly, that's even more impressive than his art. Frankly, I think his art is is lost because he's so busy engaging in that sort of thing. And I think frankly, we're all a little poorer because of that. I think we all wish he, I mean, I could care less what kind of moves he's doing as an executive at DC. I wanna see him drawing the Wildcats, you know, like, um, and, and, but I do think that like, if, when I look at the art he's drawing now, it does not honestly inspire me as much as what I see from 30 years ago. And I think that's because he's so invested in carrying on his business that he's, that the art is suffering a little bit to be. Well, honest. he might still be burned out from 30 years ago. I mean, right. he hard, went so like, hard. Yeah. Into the, you know, the nineties. And then it's just like, Oh, how much more can I yeah. give? You know? And, and, and I will say the other, the, to me, the, the best legacy that he could, he did have was, creating Wildstorm Studios and giving a place to all these artists. And Rob did this and Mark Silvestri did this, where it's like they're each learning from each other. They're each they're each spending time in the studio watching each other draw and learning how to do certain things. And then you've got all these artists that are blowing up out of there. I mean, uh, you know, Brett Booth is is doing great stuff. And, you know, there's still plenty of people who are still in the industry. Frankly, I wish more of those guys were still in the industry because there's a lot of people that were doing great stuff. And that's what I will always remember him for is creating this this universe that allowed this studio to flourish. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, the seeding that young talent for the future. We got to enjoy yeah. them, you know, for as long as we did. But uh, now, Christopher, I'm sure you have uh, <laughs> a million things going through your head right now, but uh, you are, again, very active in the fandom. Uh, is there an association that Jim has with the fans that you would like to shout out uh, that you can kind of fill in the folks that aren't as uh, deep into it? Jim, I think Jim's best quality is his memory and, and his ability to act on his memory. So if you're a fan and you've interacted with Jim, if you've seen him at a convention or you're in his Discord channel or you watch him live on Twitch or however it is that you interact with him, he remembers you. And, and, when, and when you see him at a con, he makes it personal. And, you know, I could be just anybody. I am just anybody. I'm one of, you know, 8 billion people on the planet. But I can walk up and shake Jim's hand at a convention and, and he'll remember my name or, or, or at least he'll remember something about me. Uh, who I am without having to, you know, hey, my name is Chris, and so on and so forth. And so I think that's one of his biggest strengths is he, is he pours so much back into the fans. Um, and I think, you know, not being tied down to that that table, you know, drawing table, 8, 10, 12 hours a day gives him the ability to go out and do more of that stuff 
And again, as, as he's getting later and later into his career, um, you know, that time's going to come to a close soon. So I would suggest if, if you have the ability of gyms in your town or the next town or the next state over, or you just want to drop all your money and go to San Diego Comic-Con one year, do it, meet Jim. It's an experience and um, you won't forget it and he won't forget it. That is so cool. Like, honestly, like I have thought he's just been up in an office building all these years. You know what I'm saying? Like, I never imagined like Jim Lee is still out and about doing it because it feels like, well, you know, he's corporate now. What, is, what does he need to promote? He does, he's not really, you know, promoting his own comics he's trying to sell. But that's so wonderful that he's giving back to the fans in that way, because when you look again at the legacy, I mean, he was the one to do it. No one has beat his sales record, which is not what comics are about. But I mean, there's a reason for that, right? And we'll never see that again. He is one of the people who, like, I think just the most, like, imitated for people that I knew growing up, everybody wanted to draw like Jim Lee. Like, everybody was just like, okay, I figured it out. I figured it out. I could do it. And so I just, uh, you know, for the 90s nostalgia in all of us, I think definitely he solidifies so much. There, like we say, there are other people in the image camp and former Marvel, uh, you know, superstars who maybe get a lot more attention for bad things, but he is he was certainly the pinnacle of it all. And going back just to the post analogy and like you were saying andrew when i watch him it was mm -hmm. the same with image launch right you know okay young blood's gonna come out first spawn's gonna come out he's gonna take his time he's gonna yeah. see what they're doing wrong okay now here's wildcats yeah. you know and then same with everything that has gone on his career he's like okay i'm not gonna be the first necessarily i'm gonna be innovative but i'm gonna see what's happening and then pushing it out there so uh, i think it's fascinating to to watch uh all that he's accomplished and of course you know who knows like you say christopher one of these days if he gets that creator own project out there and we're just like oh, i can't believe you know he's been holding on to this all these years this is amazing uh, that's kind of my hope with joe casada leaving marvel oh, yeah. all these guys kind of going back like are we going to see the renaissance now 30 years later they're all the creator own stuff coming back in the way that was making the 90s so exciting in the early part of that decade so uh as we close out here guys last thing i just want to have a little bit of fun and we'll see how this goes christopher you are a trivia winner so we're gonna see uh, if, if we can match you here <laughs> a uh -oh. wizard put together uh what they were calling their cbiq their comic book intelligence quiz if you guys remember those would be in every issue and again it's something we don't cover very often because uh we just we don't have time and all the trivia might make uh some of us look foolish on the podcast so we're like uh maybe when we get somebody who knows their stuff so what i just want to do here i want to offer up a jim lee prize pack now uh depending on who's winning they might already have these things first up i'm just gonna say so we are gonna offer here our, one of our wizard uh stickers because you got to spread the word right uh but also we have a couple jim lee related uh wizard cards so we have this deathmate oh. tops promo card okay. yeah we have a uh, half of the Kindred card set. So we have Backlash there. Okay. These things that came with Wizard Magazine. And there's your, your Cole Cash Chromium card. Okay. So it's Team 7 look. And also a couple comics. Now we've talked about it. Everybody's got a copy, but what's one more? Okay. So how about X-Men number one? The one that is so essential uh, if you're going to talk about Jim Lee in the 90s. But also, how about Wildcat Zero? Okay. Yeah. Not necessarily Jim Lee art in here, but certainly his creations. Okay. It's a nice wraparound cover. 
So that's a real fun piece. And then last one here, we saw the poster, a little bit of it anyway. So the first issue of Grifter She, which is a fun uh, crossover as well. So get those, get the cards uh, if you can answer the questions correctly. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best uh, to keep score and everything, and you guys can just uh, keep me on my toes. But I'm gonna drop in because this is a visual. CBIQ, although I personally think they should have called it the Lee BIQ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> How'd they miss that pun? All right. So, first one here, you can just say your name Magneto killed which character in Cold Blood? Let's go back to the X Men days. I'm not going to know this one. I should I, we like just say an answer? Yeah, just to say your name and then say the letter. Uh, Matt C. Correct. Good job. All right. Even praise of the X Men side of Jim Lee all night. So that okay. Who is Fairchild's oh, father? On. Andrew, that's C. That's Alex Fairchild. Come Very on. Very good. Very good. Okay. Mm. Who did the U.S. government pick to briefly replace Henry Bendix as Weatherman One? I know this one too. Okay. Uh, that's B. Christine Trelane, aka Synergy. Correct. I actually just found out about that by reading that Wild Storm special. Okay. Who is Reno Bryce? Secret identity. I'm going to know all these Wild Storm ones, so I don't want to dominate the conversation. Do it. Go for it. That's B, Warblade. Very good. Okay. The X Men villain who brought Colossus out of his amnesia was. Uh, Oh, was it B, the Shadow King? I think it was. Wow. Mirror Island Saga, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Good work. This is going to be a battle. It just depends on how much X-Men and how much Wildstorm. I'm sitting back. I don't want to see these two guys pull it out here. you know the answer to this one, Chris? Yeah. Who is not a member of Team One? I I think I know the answer, but I think this might be a trick question. Hmm. Uh, Chris, do you know the answer to this? Um, I'm thinking been a while since i read team one this is the stumper okay i know i i i know what they're i think i know what they're asking here but so okay can i just answer go for it andrew okay so the answer is d zealot but i think that a that b and d are actually both the same character and i can't yeah i think that i think that's loose is it lucy blaze i think was the character is the character b and i think that was just zealot back in the 50s but i don't know wildstorm listeners who are <laughs> wildstorm fans please let me know because my memory's not great the leader of kindred is is it d no, Sorry. It's, not Mike. it's a blood moon correct okay blood moon look at that that's actually kind of like a uh does that look like dark claw it kind of has a dark claw it kind of does it yeah. does yeah. Here we go. Which Wildcats member left the team when the group left for Caribou? Uh, I think it's Grifter. Yeah, Correct. It's Grifter. Yeah. Very good. All right, here we go. Number nine. Who was responsible for Stormwatch's destruction? That's B. That's mm-hmm. Deathbit. And that's part of the Images of Tomorrow uh, cross or weird event that they did, which I thought was such a cool idea. Number 10, Union's main squeeze is. Oh, I know this one too. That's uh, Jill, uh, letter A. Correct. Right. Good, good, good. Here we go. 
Who was not taught in the ways of the coda? B. There you go. Very good. All right. Yeah. Sorry, Boyd. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Which X-Man went through the siege perilous and became a Genosian magistrate? A. Yeah, there you Very go. Very good. All right. Those are some great Jim Lee issues of X-Men. Yeah. Too. Extinction they were. Jim drew the hell out of those. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number 13. Which of the following Wildcats is human? Is there only one answer? It says there is only one answer. The most human, perhaps? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, there's, there's only one that's fully human. The other, yeah. the other three are... Uh, Full okay. half or <laughs> or or other, yeah. A. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's oh. yeah, it's Grifter. 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 Hmm. All right, who helped hmm. expose Team Seven to the Jed Factor that gave them their powers? A. Sorry. It's, yeah, it's Miles. Miles Craven, letter C. Yeah. One, of, one of the big bads of the Wildstorm universe. Behind the scenes, right? Yeah. He's just did everything. Mm-hmm. Backlash's daughter is none other than. Um, that's B. Jet. I didn't really. She was around back then. Well, she was is... crimson then. She was oh, crimson yeah. then. Yeah. This is interesting because Wizard wrote it down incorrectly then. For some reason, they said it was taboo, and that would be awkward. That would be very awkward. (laughs) Number 16, who is responsible for transforming Psylocke into the deadly Asian ninja master she is today? It was D. Correct. Good work. Who is C? Who is that character? (laughs) Uh, No idea. Wow. Kind of looks like Sylvestri art, though. I don't know. Is that James? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so this answer has been retconned out. Oh. But the, the answer is D, Savant. Yes. But she was, it was retconned in like 2000, let's say six-ish, where they retconned her where now she is actually her, her daughter that she raised as her own sister. Oh, okay. Very clever. All right, which character can see and exercise demonites that possess human beings? Oh, A. Very good. All right. If you do read the first issue, right? <laughs> yes. That's a heck of a joke, though. That's a oh, good joke. Richard Simmons. Richard. That's goodness. a good joke. Look how young he looks, too. I know. He's looking pretty suave. I thought it was Billy Joel for a second. I'm like, yeah. What's going on here? So, the Justice Stone empowers which character? Oh, that's my boy, Union. Let her yeah. see. <laughs> with whom did magneto have a romantic fling in the savage land <laughs> you got it matt all right and that's jim lee art on that one too yeah that was, the zabu <laughs> oh, oh, that's pretty good all right so uh that was fun and uh that was uh yeah just it's interesting the the i feel like zealot was like the most featured possibility in all of those you just kept putting zealot everywhere like is it zealot and it never was zealot (laughs) the true red herring uh so but i think uh, as i have done the tally here uh matt you gave it a valiant effort <laughs> christopher sat back mm, yes very good i sat back because you sent over scans of the magazine for me to look oh, at ahead I of time forgot. and yeah. I, I did the whole thing this morning so i felt oh. like that would not be fair 
Very, very honest of you. So, but as the tally came together, just with the overwhelming majority of Wildstorm trivia that they put in there, Andrew is our winner. Oh, so congratulations. Right. Thank you. But gentlemen, I just want to thank you for coming on. This was a fun conversation. I mean, it's just like, it's one of those things that it really felt like just a bunch of people at a comic shop talking about Jim Lee. And that's how it should be. Yeah. That's what fandom's yes. about. Just having fun, just enjoying the things you enjoy and spreading that out, teaching your friends a few things they didn't know before. So, uh, but I did just want to uh, give you guys a chance as well. You know, like you, I'm going to count you as official guests here on Wizards. So is there anything that you would like to share with the people that are watching if they want to have more conversations with you? Where can they find you? So all my socials are at Andrew Sahak. That's spelled A-N-D-R-E-W-C-A-H-A-K. Um, I have a podcast about silly new metal albums from the 90s called Life Was Peachy. That's very fun and silly and if you like dumb music from 30 years ago it's it's a good listen um and uh i um i actually worked on a book that a lot of fans of this podcast might enjoy called darkest image there's two volumes of this um it's a tribute to 90s image comics um uh, i've done a couple stories with milo trent in each of the volumes um they're like 300 page volumes uh there's two of them um you can get a digital copy for five bucks you can buy a print copy um uh, and all the profits are donated to william messner lobes um which is super cool um you can find that at imagegranddesign.com if you want the digital version if you want to get a print copy and there's not many left so if you want it you gotta get it soon you can go to marcosis6studios.bigcartel.com. Um, and there's links to that at andrewsahawk.com. So check that out. There's super cool books um, about an image, uh, an era of image comics that I think all of us on this podcast probably have a lot of love for. Very, very cool. And uh, Matt, if people want to find you online and say hi, where, where are you at? Um, I'm on uh, Instagram at Eddie death brock 77 that's how i managed to grab the eddie brock name so um you can follow me on there great and of course christopher if people want to check out those archives where can they find you um the archive is a work in progress but it's at worldofwildstorm.com uh, um there is a lot of good content up there right now trading cards and comic checklists it's still a work in progress it's a lot to try to organize this stuff and it's a lot to find the time to dedicate to sit down at the computer and do it. Um, but I will be working on that throughout the year. Um, you can also find me on your favorite social media at Wildstorms CCG. Excellent. Yeah, definitely a good follow. And I, I will say that uh, as part of all this and the release of this particular event for all of you to enjoy, uh, we also have an interview on the Wizard Files with a very important member of the Wildstorm staff, Jeff Marriott who oh, was the cool. VP of marketing in addition to writing many image books. And uh, yeah, he was just all over the place. He told some fantastic stories. If you don't know how he got hired to work uh, at Wildstorm, it's a fascinating story. So make sure that you check that out. You can go to wizardscomics.com where you have our archive of over 180 odd episodes uh, to enjoy there. A lot of them are Wizard Files interviews with staff members of Wizard Magazine, with comics pros who were featured heavily. And so you can check that out. Be sure to 
get in touch with us if you're not already connected at wizards comics on twitter at wizards underscore comics on instagram our youtube channel subscribe the wizards podcast youtube channel and one more plug for the patreon wizards the patreon guide to comics is active it is rolling along and you are getting all sorts of episodes unedited they are ready to go two weeks early as soon as we record them you're getting them as well as a lot of other exclusive content behind the scenes and you may even influence the episodes uh, as they go forward as we reach out to our patrons so again gentlemen thank you so much for joining us thank you all for listening or watching and until next time keep your books bagged and boarded.